0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. One more before the big feast. We hope we can help you kill an hour today, kill kill maybe an hour and 15 today off your work week, because I know you're obviously not working, especially with... The Eagles beating the Kansas City Chiefs 21-17 in a statement win. We've Adam Kaplan on at 12.30 from Inside the Birds. We'll talk everything there. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid for right now.
1: What's up? What's going on? How's everybody in the chat? Happy Thanksgiving.
0: Big souvenir cup over here. Lining John Middleton's pockets so we can go get some big time free agents. I like it. You see me stretching before the show? I did. That was weird. Yeah. Why'd you do that?
1: On my lower back is sore. I went and got the uh, the Ben Gay out of the uh, or the icy hot. I mean, so same thing, really. You know? So I don't know. I must have been like when I was playing Diablo on the couch I must have been leaning leaning at like a weird angle or something. <laughs> Am I an asshole for having us do a show today? Should we have just taken off? Like, every, yeah, every I don't minute?
0: know. I love talking. I love talking to the people. Yeah. I love talking to. Uh, Ford. I love talking to Ian. I saw him in the chat going after Ford. I like that they have the yeah, things. Ian's back. He he is, is back. Yeah, they're going to be arguing back. about the Celtics, about who's a Celtics fan. Yeah, I'm sure Mrs. Kincaid's going to pop in. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people popping in because, you know, no one's working today.
1: No, I dropped I mean, off the girls. My mom's watching the girls today, so I don't think she's going to be popping into the chat today. I told I told my wife to jump on though if she wants, but uh, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we we shall see. Yeah, no, well, we didn't even get to talk about the Chiefs game. So yeah, we got to do a show, you
0: know. Exactly, exactly. We run a we run a tight ship around here. You. uh you're, you're a tough boss. You we, know? Don't, we don't fuck around,
1: man. I mean, like we we do. What's well? It's funny. I, I will reveal something for the people who aren't aware. Our our um company has an unlimited vacation policy, <laughs> so technically we can just take off whenever <laughs> whenever we want. But wait, there's so much going on, man. What are we gonna, What are we gonna do? Take a week off right now? Can't
0: you know? take a week no.
1: off. No, we got Can't we have a week off a, during football season. We have a hard-working, regimented staff. You know, people are committed. You know, like we'll, we'll we're not gonna work. we're gonna take it easy this afternoon. We're not working on Friday, but if there's some breaking news, like a Sixer allegedly gets hit by a car or something, we'll get on. Somebody will get on a laptop and write it up. So yeah, we're we're committed, man. We
0: you know we're
1: we're it's dedicated. All,
0: it's not all sunshine and rainbows and two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar producers in the background.
1: Yeah, you yeah know? only one of us is earning two hundred fifty thousand dollars on this show. He
0: hasn't done jack shit today, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, awesome win on Monday. Statement win. Was it frustrating for 75% of the game? Hell yeah. The only person having a worse first half than Eagles fans was Mark Wahlberg on the Manning cast. I mean, but I still can't (laughs) believe they kept themselves in it for so long. And you watch them every single week and you're frustrated every single week. But like, this is exactly the blueprint for how they've won all year. Someone steps up at like every facet of the game. It was DeAndre Swift for a little bit. It was a defense for most of the game. Jalen Hurts in crunch time. Brian Johnson even coming through a little bit. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about this is we root for the best team in the NFL in back to back years. They've gone nine and one. They've beaten the Dolphins. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten this Chiefs in this gauntlet of a of a schedule who are twenty one and six on the record this year. And this is the seventh time in in franchise history. They've started nine and one and we're doing it back to back years. It's awesome. Yeah. I
1: mean, I guess we got fully got to lean into the, you know, just win baby mentality now. Right. I mean, it's there's been too many instances of of it this year where they're where they just haven't you know, played uh, the quote unquote, their best football and they still find a way, find a way to win, you know? So maybe we all have to come to, maybe we've seen so many examples of it it, it, that we just have to accept that this is what they are. You know, maybe all the people saying, well, they haven't played their best football yet, or, you know, they got lucky or they have, you know, it wasn't perfect. I mean, maybe that game is just not coming. Maybe they (laughs) never will. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe, maybe that's it. I mean, but is that a serious thing? I mean, like maybe their best, maybe this is their best, maybe their best football is just, Finding ways to 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 make plays when it matters. I, I felt like I was riding the roller coaster in that game because I was like, just like annoying annoying things, man. You know, like the first Chiefs touchdown. It's like they ran that that fake motion from the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Birds had it covered. But then Mahomes
0: got got free. I'm like, all right, you got to be kidding Dude, me. Dude, I hate him. He is one of the most frustrating QBs to watch. Not even just like him always like garnering flags and everything, but how many times did they have the pocket collapse and he just scampered for 10 yards? Yeah, or Fletcher yeah, Cox yeah. had him going out of bounds. He scampers down to the 25 yard line. Like yeah. dude, I I I must not watch enough Chiefs because I did not know how good he was getting out of the pocket. Or maybe it was kind of just a, a different game today. He looks slippery, man. And like I
1: I you know what's annoying is I feel like he's like one of those guys who I don't know. I don't want to level an accusation here, but like quarterbacks know that they can't be touched going out of bounds, right? So some of them, some of them fudge it, man. Like they're like, I know this guy's not going to hit me. I'm not going to go out. I'm going to kind of pick up an extra yard here. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I saw that a couple times. Aaron Rodgers is really good at that. Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you're talking about the Fletcher Cox play where I, they were like right on the edge of the red zone. He had him for a tackle for loss for like three yards. It would have made it like second and 13. Mm-hmm. And he scampered forward and he got a free picked up like 14 yards on that and got him into the, the red zone. Was that right before halftime and everything was going to shit and they yep. had the terrible offensive drive and they punted it right back to him? They, yeah, what they, scored, they scored
0: 10 points in the last two minutes. Yeah, I, you
1: know. Things like that were annoying, you know, Bayard and Slay and whatever happened on the first touchdown. You know, that pick play that Valdis Scantling ran for Kelsey to score a touchdown. Again, kind of kind of not like the Jonathan Gannon family of plays from the Super Bowl, but again, like red zone assignments, passing off, stuff like that. I'm like, they're just like it seemed like everything that they were doing was just you know when they went down 17-7 i'm like ah eh, they you know they just don't have it tonight and
0: yeah I, I felt helpless i felt helpless watching the game and then like i thought it, at one point it was like 14-7 i looked down it was still 7-7 and then they score and they're only down by 3 then they score again and they're up by 4 defense shuts them out in the second half like this team wins ugly and i and it's so weird because it's like it's like they won they had some sexy games last year yeah At steelers game was sexy that at, uh, Titans game was real sexy. You, I saw people like you can't boast about this win because it was so ugly. If you look down the schedule, what's what's the win you can boast about? Buccaneers 25 Like that, that might be the the quote unquote sexiest game they've played this year. It was. I mean, I know they beat the Dolphins by two scores. Yeah. That was a one score game going into the fourth quarter. Still, I mean, we were still kind of but holes were tight a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, at least out of the first three, like at the time after the Tampa Bay win, we said that was their best performance of the year, right? I mean, they ran for like a billion yards down there, and then you know, Dolphins was a statement win, right? That probably should have been a bigger margin than it was, you know. But uh, I, I, it's that's huge, man, because you got Buffalo now at home. Buffalo is not not that amazing, man. I don't, I don't, don't want to do like the ESP. There's people. a letdown game. game. There's a no, 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 no! I it's don't a letdown game. they well, we could go four and zero in this stretch. No, I'm, I'm not saying that, but like that just it just makes the, some things so much easier now going forward. Because if they, I, like at worst, man, I think they go two and two through this stretch. I think they win the home games. You say they lose the Dallas. Who gives a fuck? You know, if you come two two and every if everybody in this chat, everybody listening to this show on the podcast, you and me, Craig, Russ, whoever, we went back to the beginning of the season, and said they're gonna get through. This gauntlet, like two and two, I, everybody would have taken that, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got to play the game still, but like I don't think they're going to lose three in a row here. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's to get off on the on the right foot with that. I mean, I don't, you know, it's funny too, man, because they talk about dropped passes and they talk about well, the Chiefs turned it over twice and all of that. And I, you know, I wrote that story for the site yesterday, like, you know, the philosophical question about turnovers versus, versus takeaways. And of course people just read the headline, you know, and they're like, well, he punched it out. Of course it's a takeaway. Mm-hmm. Right. But the reason I was asking that question is because do you, how much credit do you give to the Eagles defense for making it hard on the chiefs versus the chief dropping passes and, and coughing the ball up? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause people want to steer, steer this thing. You know, Dan Orlovsky goes on McAfee show yesterday or the day before or whatever he says well I think the Chiefs are I'd watch that game I think the Chiefs are the better team you know all they have to do next time is just not turn it over twice in the red zone and not drop five passes all right well if they're doing that they're not the better they're not the better team you know what I mean so, it's
0: not you know. like they had the wide receiver core either to not drop five passes
1: <laughs> well I just did you get the did you get the feeling watching it I think it was Coggan who made the observation first is that like they did. It just. It felt like when I was watching the Chiefs, I was watching like the two thousand two Eagles again, where like they had the quarterback and they had the line and they had the defense, but it was like Pinkston and Thrash out there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Yeah, Pretty Mitchell. But, <laughs> I mean, it was, I, I would kind of compare it more to like the the To year, where they didn't have anybody except for To because I, Travis Kelsey is he's gonna be yeah. go down as the greatest yeah. tight end in in.
1: I I know it's it's weird with that caveat too because Kelsey's like I mean b- back in the day the Eagles were rolling out like L.J. Smith and Chad Lewis when tight ends were tight ends mm-hmm. and now Travis Kelsey's as much of a mm-hmm. you know he's not running go routes but he's as much of a receiver he's as much of a of a wide receiver one as he is like a like a classic tight end so I guess the comparison doesn't
0: no that's I mean, a good comparison I mean but the, the the thing is like Sean DeSai just triple teamed them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, yeah that's they bracketed him they they put they threw a lot of like different different looks at him uh, yeah i i they did a good job i mean they were hitting him um they always they had guys around they were like clouding him you know Uh f- yeah they did it. they did a good job i mean he got the touchdown pass but I, I you know i mean you're never gonna you're never gonna he's not that's not a guy who's gonna go out there and put up a put up a donut ever i mean you limit mm-hmm. the damage that you do for sure but i just you know, it's funny because like the chiefs are paying Mahomes. Right, they're paying Chris Jones. I mean, they they're paying money along the the lines, right? So if that's what if that's the case, then yeah, you're gonna have Kadarius Tony and Marcus Vadas Scantling and Justin Watson and Sky Moore, right? I mean, that's gonna be your receiving core. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: I'm, yeah. Yeah. So. Um,
0: um, can I read you uh, Jalen Hurts's line because he uh, became the MVP favorite after this game. Yeah, yeah, And uh, so he's 13th in TDs right now with 15. He's tied third in rushing touchdowns with Christian McCaffrey at nine. He's second in total touchdowns with 24, 10th in passing yards, first in wins. So if you think wins is a QB stat, you can add that to it. And then 11th in QB rating. His numbers don't jump off the page. No. And nobody's numbers really jump off the page right now. Like it's not like a 2013 Peyton Manning season, 55 touchdowns, 5,000 yards. Like I don't think the MVP is going to win that this year. Um, and I think you know with Patrick Mahomes and everything, unless they go in on a run where he finishes like 13 and four or 14 and three, I think the I think the MVP is going to come out of the NFC, and I think the MVP is going to come out of whoever wins the NFC between Brock Purdy, between Jalen Hurts, and maybe even Dak Prescott.
1: I'm trying to find the Shield Capadia tweet to send to Craig because I think, you know, as much as we talk about the Eagles offense and man, there were stretches of this game where I was like, what the hell is that? You know, um, I think like their offense is actually outperforming where they were uh, last year at this time, like just n- not, not by much, you know, but marginally, but, but, but putting up more points and the same amount of yards and whatnot. Um, it was funny I, I, and I wonder why that is uh, because it looks like they have more negative plays or nothing plays or plays that get blown up or don't work or whatever this year. But then, um, you know, when they, when they hit on stuff, they hit it big.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? So like an example of that, like I was sitting there thinking, cause you know, we were all, I mean, you were running the Twitter account during the game and we're all thinking the same thing about the Brian Johnson quarterback draw, you know, like five wide run or like, you know, 10 personnel run or whatever. And, uh, you know, they ran that, you know, a couple of times, didn't get anything. And then they ran it against a blitz and they scored on it. You know, it was the same thing with like, they come out on on that one drive. And they throw the two perimeter screens. I'm like, what the fuck is is that? Right. And then they have another QB drawn. They go three and out. Mm-hmm. And then they come back on the next drive and, and they want to hit the screen again. They can't get it to Zacchaeus like it just quick, you know, quick toss. Right. But then they throw like a middle sc- middle screen to Swift. And he rips it off for like however many yards, you know? So again, it's like four four instances of a screen that went nowhere. And then the you know the fifth one, they really knocked it out of the park. So if you take all five of those in totality, you say, well, they ran five screens that went on average 10 yards, but four of them, one of them went for 50 and four of them went for zero. So, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, it's almost like they're making up for like their inefficiency on that side by just when they, when they, hit it they hit it big you know what i'm saying like they had like the Devonte smith bomb at the end there where they check, where sirianni said that hurts check to that yeah. and, and saw something you know because that was really the only i can't think of anything else deep that they that they hit um
0: like yeah, that i mean that, that, that's that's kind of like they put themselves in a position to win this team like a lot last year I think you were on this Did, didn't they lead the league in uh in explosive plays which I think explosive plays go over 20 or more yards?
1: yeah I can pull that number actually right now while we're doing the show um you know would' be funny coming into too because when you and I and Russ were on here on Monday talking about it, the Chiefs were number were number one in that um, d- department you know they had they had given up the fewest amount of, of big plays this year. And and they were good, man. I, I like I was really impressed with them. They had that one series, man, where Chris Jones just basically like mm-hmm. caused a three and out, three and out himself, you know. Yeah, that defense is
0: legit. The defense is legit, and the fact that they scored twenty one points—that's the second most points they've scored this year. Yeah, on the Chiefs or uh, the Chiefs defense has been scored on. It has
1: a lot. Yeah, I mean, only the only the Lions Lions scored twenty one at Arrowhead, yeah. and then they gave up um, you know, twenty four to the Broncos. In, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean that just tells you when you like I know it was ugly. And we did this thing last year where you like talked to talked to you. Remember that thing you're like, hey, your uncle's gonna hate this team. This is what you're gonna say to your uncle. And mm-hmm. you just listed off all the defensive stats last year. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, you're talking you think, like, you think, yeah. talking points. Yeah. 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 I feel like this year is is going to be kind of the same thing. And it's so funny because like we pride ourselves on this like gritty and tough and grimy blue-collar city. And this and this team kind of like resonates this blue-collar gritty toughness of like finding ways to win and, and coming do. out of the cracks of the of the concrete yeah. where where a flower grew. And it's like we're still just never fucking happy (laughs) we will just never be happy i mean it's it's okay i mean we can just we can just uh admit it we will never be happy with with the with the philadelphia eagles i don't know any other team like would the sixers get this much pushback if they won ugly I know the Phillies wouldn't get this much pushback if they won, technically, quote unquote. Ugly. If the Sixers Definitely had fun. won,
1: if, if the Sixers had won that game last night, yeah, you could say because oh. they were just grinding them out defensively yeah. in, the, in the. Yeah, that was annoying too. By the way, I mean to claw all the way back and make it to overtime only, to, only to lose anyway. But I mean they were swarming.
0: I don't do know how want, many times. Do you Stan want to talk about? It? Do you want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, we can talk about. Let me. I got oh, your staff the though, guys. Right? The guys, you know, laughing on the sideline. You know, after Tyrese Max, oh, you know, the go ahead. I don't want
1: to talk about it. If you're just going to go over your stupid <laughs> tournament thing again, but we can talk about Embiid being the closer I, and whatever think, that ATO was coming I, out.
0: I, I, Kev, Kev real if, quick. If they're playing for lottery swaps. Maybe they play harder and there's no laughing on the bench. last night.
1: <personally. laughs> it still counts for the regular season. It's like, it's, it's not like it doesn't matter. Um, all right. So you asked about big plays. The Eagles have 41 big plays this year. They are 10th in the NFL. Uh, big plays defined as 20 plus yard gains. Uh, last year, uh, they were second in the NFL with 80. So, yeah. So they're not ripping off. Yeah. It's, they're they're not, I should look up their yards per play, per play, too, if you want to intro your, uh, you know, if you want to blow, blowviate on your uh, in season t- t- tournament take again.
0: <laughs> I'll bloviate on it a little bit. I mean, it, um, I think we're coming up to two, 20 games now. N- Nick Nurse's two end of the game possessions. Last night, that was Doc Rivers' ask. Uh, I know the, the the one in overtime didn't even get to. I think Batum was the one in the corner, um, and then the, the first one Batum was, was
1: inbounding it. To, yeah, uh, to, Batum was inbounding it. To to get Melton, Melton
0: was like, and, yeah. and Melton, and you know, they don't even get a shot off. And then the uh, the first one, uh, last second shot in the fourth quarter, it was just the marquee uh, Joel Embiid dribbles the ball, dribbles the ball, dribbles the ball, fade away from the free throw line. Like, Uh, yeah, yeah. It it was very Doc River-esque. You saw Paul Reed on the floor at the end when you needed a three. The challenge on the Embiid moving screen instead of saving it for a six foul, which was that, that was crazy. That was a crazy foul by that ref who called that. That was clearly, I think it was on Pep Bev. Pep Bev raised his hand and they gave it to Joel Embiid. So he was out for a six foul. I mean, there's just some things that are kind of rising to the top. You know, I know they're a weird team right now. I know they need a backup point guard. I know they're kind of just the land of misfit toys while Kelly Oubre's out, while Nick Batum's out half the time and everything. It's just like, I'm wondering what we're going to see Nick Nurse in the next 20 games. Like, are we are we going to be as favorable about him as we are for the first 20? It's hard to, you know, I,
1: I know that Embiid has um, really extended his game to all three levels you know over the last like two years you know when he made that big jump where he was coming out and he was he was doing his uh kind of delay action under Doc, where he'd kind of you know receive the ball like around like above the like around the three-point line middle like above the nail a little bit mm-hmm. he's he's still not but he's not like a what am I trying to say here he's not tech he's not a perimeter player in the sense of like Jason Tatum's gonna have, you know He's a perimeter player and can create his own shot in the sense that he's seven foot and he can just shoot over dudes, right? But he's not gonna like iso carve out some space for himself and like get a, you know, a lot of a lot of what sets up his, you know, his nail jumpers and his, you know, elbow um, looks and his his face ups and whatnoters. They get him into they either post him. Or they run like a that slip screen or kind of brush cut with Maxi or whatever, and then he gets the ball in return. So he's always kind of initiating his offense by receiving a pass. It doesn't like when they just clear out and let him kind of dribble, it's not I don't know. It doesn't feel like a ten tenable way to close a game, I guess, is is what I'm trying to say. You know, I think Embiid can close. I would just like to see them have him close in a different way. I mean, even just put even just put somebody in a pick and roll there you know, and make the, make the defense actually do something, you know, and at least put an initial read there. Maybe you get maxi, maybe they drift to him be maybe you get maxi coming downhill or something like that. I mean, at least, at least put some stress on him. Mean, I don't like him be just sort of standing there and dribbling. And,
0: no, it was know, very, I mean, it was yeah. very Doc Rivers-esque is what, like, you know, Nick Nurse prides himself on being able to move the ball, have a kind of this motion offense and everything. And that was just a weird call. It was two, it was two weird calls to end the game and I didn't, uh, I didn't love him. Then again, Maxi hits that free throw halfway down the hoop. I don't know how it didn't go in. Um, he doesn't start off, you know, uh, slow in the first first half. Like, I don't know. Am I happy the uh, in season tournament is over? I don't have to hear about it anymore. Yes. Um, but am I, you know, did I want a cup? I mean, you always want a cup in Philadelphia. We haven't won a cup in Philadelphia since 1975.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, they. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I finally. Uh, I screwed it up, but I got the stat too. Who's the Eagles? One? The Craig Eagles stats
0: here? 15 Sorry. minutes later?
1: No, there's just one more. I mean, this takes time to research. I got all these filters and shit here. Uh we got a producer. The Eagles were sixth. I don't even think he has a login for uh support <laughs> radar. Um 5.88 yards per play. They were sixth in the NFL last year. 5.41 yards per play, they're 12th this year. So yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit slower, more deliberate. Um the big five got disrespected. I, I uh, enjoyed that post from you because it reminded me of all the annoying white dudes that have that have played at uh, at Duke and elsewhere over the year. I thought I yeah. was going to cover after the disrespect.
0: But. I did too. 26 and a half. I had I put him on the card for my money line plus twenty five hundred do a little 10 spot on there. Maybe some uh, Thanksgiving football uh, gambling money that didn't work out. But if you didn't see it down at Cameron Indoor uh, right outside on the screen, it was Duke at. I don't even know why it says Duke at because Duke was playing at home. So they just screwed this, this up <laughs> worthy here. Well, was this part of the, the Fugazi tournament where Texas yes. it was a <laughs> so they put up the LaSalle High School Explorer football logo uh to to advertise the Duke versus LaSalle tilt. Absolute disrespect for a founding member of the Big Five. Absolutely disrespectful to Fran Dunphy, who is friends with Coach K, who both served in the Army. So you got to ask if Duke doesn't love the troops. Absolutely disrespectful to us Big Five um, fans and the Big Five Classic when LaSalle has a chance to be the first team ever to win the Big Five Classic. Tickets on sales now at sure. Wells Fargo Center.com. Um Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, it was tough. I thought that, uh, like you said, I thought LaSalle was going to cover. I thought Fran was going to use his bulletin board material. Unfortunately, their big white guy was better than Fran's big white guy. Um, yeah. I don't know if you saw that uh, that graphic, but Fran's got like seven different people from international from the seven international international, guy. Yeah, yeah, he, international he, players on yeah. the team. He's bringing the United Nations all over the place. But it got me thinking, man. Like I was watching the game a little bit before the Sixers started. Man, do I hate Filipowski. God, do I hate that Duke guy, Filipowski. Like, he is such a goofball. And I mean, me and Kev were talking about it. So we wanted to do our five goofiest white guys we hate the most in college basketball history. And I'll let the Big East Kevin Kikade, West Virginia fan, take it first because I hope Kevin Pitts snuggles on this list.
1: Uh, I was going to put him on there, but I can't diss my own guy like that. (laughs) Real quick, though, I pulled up the LaSalle roster. So they've got guys from Venezuela, Mm -hmm. Coatesville. The Bronx, Spain, uh, Istanbul, Turkey, Mm. Argentina, uh, Sweden, and uh, Lithuania. So, Fran Dunphy's
0: big in the Ottoman Empire.
1: Yeah. 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 My favorite, by the way, my favorite stat for the longest time before the Cubs finally won the World Series in uh, like 15 or 16 or whatever it was was that uh, before that, the last time the Cubs had won the World Series, the Ottoman Empire was still. Uh, like, uh, formed it was still in existence, like 1918 or something like that before oh, wow. they folded. But anyway, yeah, my list of uh, annoying white guys, um, in, in no particular order here. I thought they would be mostly Duke guys, but there's a lot, I put, I put a lot of Syracuse guys on here. Mm-hmm. Number one for me, actually, number one was Eric Dievendorf. I love
0: Divendorf. Remember him? <laughs> Did I love Divendorf when he white. hit that shot that didn't count, and he got up on the scores table, and then he had to get off the scores table and go play five more minutes of basketball? That was awesome.
1: <laughs> it just was like white trash. He always played well against us. He had the stupid tattoo. Like look yeah. at a picture. If you look at a picture of Divendorf now, he looks like uh, Aaron Moorhead, the the hmm. Eagles like um like tight ends coach. Right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, did you ever hear the the Eric Devendorf story where he got up during his final exam and said, "I'm not taking this shit. I'm going to the NBA," and then never got drafted in the NBA? <laughs>
1: but, well, that actually kind of makes me respect him a little more. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, like,
0: right? You
1: know. <laughs> like, who gives a shit about all this? I used to be in classes with the West Virginia guys, and like, I had a. Uh, like african-american studies with like this guy named Darius nichols and he just sat back in his he was like the starting point guard for the team he was just in class like this the whole time. <laughs> it's not like not paying a lick of attention just kidding. it's
0: better than north carolina making their football players take swahili i'll tell you that
1: oh man all right so i also have so i have eric dievendorf greg Paulus. oh that's a good one greg Paulus is on the list jj reddick like i it's funny because people know JJ now is like a pretty good analyst and like mm. good player for the Sixers. He was fucking annoying back in 2005 or whatever it was. I mean, he was like public enemy number one. Also on my list is Jerry McNamara from Syracuse, Grayson Allen,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Christian Leitner, Buddy Beheim.
0: Oh, yeah. Beheim's son, fucking pain in the ass, knocked us out of the tournament. Beheim had his kid at like 60 years old. He had Buddy when he was like, <laughs> In his fifties or sixties,
1: kind of fucked up. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. You know, maybe a test tube kid. To each their own, but it's a little weird. Uh, I also put Adam Morrison on there just because he has like goofy mustache or whatever. He was he Morris, just like kind of <laughs> kind of weird. Tyler Hansbro made my list too, just because mm-hmm. he—I don't know—he was like goofy. He played so hard. And he played with so much effort, but he—he he just like. I, know, I came off as like a meathead or or something. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I thought this was a
0: top five list. You're going top ten territory. Right I, I'm
1: sorry. Real quick, I'll and then I'll give it back to you. There's this picture of me in college that like basically sums up my four years like perfectly. I'm I'm sitting in a chair playing guitar. Um, there's like World of Warcraft on the computer behind me, and then on the small TV on top of my thing is like Villanova versus Pitt like Big East basketball like that the most summation of my college years is like sitting there playing guitar with some computer game in the background like Big East basketball in there it was like Carl Krauser versus like Alan Ray you can see the dudes like literally in the background of the shot it was like Randy Foy and you know all those those dudes on Lowry I think was, was playing back then but I'm trying to find it and send it to, the, to Craig and maybe we couldn't fit
0: in you couldn't fit an Owen Schmidt poster in that picture
1: no, it's like the the TV was like like this big. It's like what was this shit that we were using in 2004? You know, what I mean, like the Michael Scott TV Technology on the wall. It's come yeah, come a long way. So
0: who are your uh, who are your annoying white guys? My five goofiest white guys in college basketball that annoyed me: Jerry McNamara, Tyler Hansbro, Grayson Allen. All you all had those. Ryan Archdiakono and Colin Gillespie. They are a package deal because they look alike. <laughs> I hated those guys. I guess you did. Yeah, and I'll just put in Arch's kid right now. Who some or kid. Arch's brother right now, who is somehow still on the Villanova team, gets no burn. He should just be going and working for Jay Wright, Land Rover, and get the hell out of college basketball, grow up, get a job, kid. And then Adam Woodbury. You might not know Adam Woodbury. Iowa. 2016 NCAA tournament. He pushed off on a rebound against Temple at the last second and scored the game winner. It was bullshit. We should have been to the second round. It was a clear push-off. And I'm pretty sure Daniel Dingle missed a couple free throws because he, like, broke his wrist or something like that. But Bram put him in because – I think someone found out. I don't know. It was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Well, obviously, like
1: yeah, your list was going to be. Uh, oh, there he is, Adam Woodbury. Yeah.
0: Prototypical Iowa white guy, seven footer. Uh, yeah. It just looks like
1: he was like, uh,
0: looks like he knows how to run a farm. Looks like he knows how to push off at the end, play dirty. All that stuff. Um, Aaron Kraft was on my list. I loved JJ Reddick. I loved yeah. Adam Morrison. I loved Shavlik Randolph. I was a big fan of back in uh, Duke. I also loved how um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Singler was great. I, I kind of liked the Duke guys. It was weird, but um, I mean, they were good, but it was like, I don't, I don't
1: know how to, I don't know how to dis- describe it. I mean, I guess because you were just always told that like, like Duke was the best, and like they always won and they were like annoying. And it just, just I, I don't I can't really put my finger on it. Though. I mean, Reddick was like kind of cocky back then. He just was like, he just like I don't know, the stereotypical, like, you know, privileged white kid playing for Duke and he's good and like you just you hate him. You know, it's like now I'm a, you know, like twenty years later, I'm sitting there like interviewing JJ at the Sixers, and I'm like, wow, college, college me would have found that to be very uh
0: polarizing very
1: strange yeah you know but like man those guys they always seem to kill us too like freaking Devendorf and mcnamara i remember mcnamara i think was huge and like that you made that six overtime game that they played against yukon in the in the
0: Great.
1: big east tournament yeah mm-hmm. yeah it was crazy and this, right, well,
0: and this is what college has taken away from us these kind of beautiful games
1: annoying white guys to hate oh oh yeah six overtime games in the big east tournament the big east oh. had yukon and had Syracuse and Pitt and I think back then that's like when Louisville and Cincinnati
0: came in I did yeah. watch the Maui Invitational last night a couple of good games last night Marquette beat up on Kansas so. oh did you yeah, okay I, I hate uh, Bill Self but yeah. Maui, the Maui Invitational is still good yeah all right
1: well should we bring on our guests
0: yeah you want to introduce him yeah yeah so we got Adam Kaplan
1: joining us from the uh from inside the bird oh I dropped him. there he is Adam what's good hey. man guys good to see you good to talk hey, to you what's today? going on Adam Kaplan, Inside the Birds, uh, Fox Sports, Ray, still doing Sirius. I, you, yeah. you tell me, because I just want to make
2: sure I get them all in there. Sure. Yeah, so this is my 20th anniversary with Sirius XM. Wow. Started there in uh, August of 2004. Yeah, we hit year 20. So I love doing that. I'm on there twice a week, host a fantasy show with John Hansen, and I'm also on NFL Radio. And then, yeah, I'm a contributor to Fox Sports Radio, Pro Football Network. I read a Monday column. And sports grid, yeah, I've got I'm in the gambling space a little bit with Scott Farrell, who I love. I'm I'm on there four days a week, so kind of crossed over, doing a little bit of that. Uh, and yeah, you kind of have to pivot when you're when you're the sports media business. <laughs> yeah, you have to be willing to try different things. And I've always said yes, uh, pretty much. Uh, whoever was representing me at the time, they they would present stuff to me. But when I was at ESPN, I really couldn't get involved with gambling. I don't gamble, but it's. It's just yeah. to, to talking about it is the big thing, and absolutely is worth doing these days.
1: Yeah, would you have thought when you were working at, ES, at ESPN that ESPN Bet would, would no. become a th- Promo code Broad, by the way. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
2: it's funny. <laughs> I remember. So I was there from 2013 uh, in, until the draft. I got actually laid off, believe it or not, the week of the draft here in Philly uh, in 2017. So I do remember distinctly, like they were a little. They they want to talk about it on Sports Center maybe van pelt would talk about it on his show late at night but it was kind of like you really couldn't talk about it and i remember my agent then saying hey DraftKings is st- this is when DraftKings was taken off Do you want to get involved with them and there were some challenges with that now i remember doing a tweet at the super bowl or something like that but you really couldn't get involved and now you fast forward as you said i i it's unreal that they're a partner with uh, what Penn gaming right yeah
1: yeah and wow. now they now they basically fund all of the philadelphia sports media you know they they keep mm-hmm. us all afloat and uh no it's an interesting world though yeah i mean i just it's funny because like they do you know they do the uh you know they do the picks on college game day you know and then you know kirk herb street says you know i can't make a pick because i'm calling the game tonight and right like, well, there's always been some some you know version of that i guess but yeah you want want to you wanna, you know, I guess still prove to people that you, this is, this is ESPN, right? We're all still journalists here, I guess. I don't know. So I find the whole Pat McAfee thing um, interesting, interesting too, but, uh, but I digress. Let's get it back to the Eagles here. Kyle and I talked about it for 10 minutes at the beginning. And I just, I I, I thought it was an awesome win. I mean, I loved it. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack in the fourth quarter, (laughs) but but, uh, I I don't know. We were talking at the beginning of the show, how we were just saying like, maybe this is maybe this is what they are maybe they just find a way to win and maybe that's like the fabric of this team and maybe that like perfect game maybe that perfect game just just isn't coming I, I don't know what do you what do you make now of of that thought i'm just looking at the game 48 hours later now
2: yeah look they I, it's a very funny thing so you bring this game up right I, I i people make fun of me because i i don't think i've picked against the eagles in over a year <laughs> seriously if you, on our show we give her we give our picks friday and i have the ability to change them for a pregame show with myself, Jeff Mosher, Jason Ivana and Greg Cosell, and I, at halftime, I'm like, "Man, did I miss on this one?" There's no way the Eagles are winning. I texted two people. That one of us, Mosher, I'm like, "They're dead in the water. They don't have it." The run defense—what is going on? We haven't seen this all season. Isaiah Pacheco again, carrying over from the Super Bowl. What's wrong with them? Usually, they have it. You know, Sirianni, the best road record in the National Football League since he started in 2021, which is amazing in and of itself. But then this, this—they they just hang in their metal. That's the underrated part, which you don't really know until you get there, is how strong mentally they are. And that, that Kevin, to, just to finish that off, that's what does it. And then they stop beating themselves. The run defense is better. They tighten things up. The, uh, they, move their fr- they play with a five-man front. They move things up. They tighten things up. And obviously, the Chiefs helped them with five drops. But the mental toughness of this football team is something to behold. I, I don't know if I've seen it quite like this uh, in this market. Uh, going back, uh, cover the, the Eagles for almost 25 years. It's pretty remarkable. Would you say like,
0: because they know how to win, you know, in such different ways. And because they have that mental toughness, do you think yeah. they are the best setup to
2: win the Super Bowl this year? Well, okay. So truth be told, I did pick a rematch, which I know in and of itself is probably not going to happen. Uh, but I just, I always look at who, tell me who the two best teams are and then I'll tell you who I like. Now I did say when we, when Mosher and I gave our picks before the season started, I expect the Eagles to get there, but they won't be nearly as good as last season. Mm-hmm. Two things can be true. You could have a better record, but not be as good. Seven new starters, five on defense, two on offense, new coordinators, new responsibility for, for the assistant coaches, a bunch of them. How how could they possibly be as good? Now, the whole league is down, folks. We've got a minimum of 49 quarterbacks around the National Football League playing. 15 teams changed their quarterbacks by injury or performance, do the math. It's not as good football. We know that we're being honest here, but the Eagles are so well-coached. Uh, th- that's another part of it with all the losses they've had. This staff has done a really good job, a little bit better than I expected. I'll admit it, but overall guys, it's it's a situation where you just look at everything going well. Uh, and then the other thing is look at their injury situation compared to last season. It's much worse. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, 100%. And this is why like, I find it, unfathomable that Nick Sirianni is never in the coach of the year talk. Like he, even even yeah. right now, I feel like there are so many candidates. Like you read an athletic article, you read some other article, you read a pro, pro football three sixty five article, and you're like, these are the candidates. And it's never really Nick Sirianni, and he's proven back to back years, starting nine and one, that like he's a legit coach. Is it because he doesn't call plays? Is it because he's kind of an asshole when he does win? Like is
1: that <laughs> like what
2: do you think is the Cocky, problem, right, Kyle? Know. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 <laughs> you know, it's funny, and I I, I kind of cringed. I thought it was great being a and being from this area. But when I saw the video, one of the it might have been NBC Ten had or, or Comcast Sports, and I can't remember the, the account. But when I saw saw him t- going down the tunnel and saying, "You know, enough of see we beat whatever he said," I, I was like, "Okay, that's cool, the Philadelphia and me." But you really shouldn't do that. I I so I kind of cringed, like that's not good. Don't don't show up, coaches or the other club, because he's really good at not doing that. But one of the things we love about Sirianni being from this area. We love real people that don't really care what people think. That's really the testament of, of his bravado. But Kyle, to get back to your, your point, and, and I, I vote in two polls. One of them is the for the Pro Footballers Association. And I yeah, I have D'Amico Ryan's at former ego at the top right now, based on this incredible turnaround. Now, if this if they make the playoffs, he's probably gonna have to be it or close to it. But here's why the people penalize him. The roster. But they don't the the if you're gonna vote, if you're gonna be a voter, please take everything to account. We just mentioned all the the coaching changes and mentioned all of them, but off the top, the coordinator changes, the seven new starters, the injury situation, by the way, he's going to make the playoffs these first three years. Andy Reid didn't do that folks. Not here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I like big sweeping topics. And one of the things that I find interesting is just kind of taking the temperature of of fans and media and everybody sports talk radio after a game like that. I, I, you hear a lot of like, well, Chiefs turned the ball over twice in the red zone. They dropped five passes. I'm like, I, you know, you can, you can frame it. anything the way that you want to frame it. I would argue that that was a takeaway that obviously Roby punched it out of there. It was sure a great play. It. You know, and you could even argue that the Kevin Byard play. Okay, maybe Patrick Mahomes underthrew it, you know, but he's still got to make that read and he's still got to go up there and get it. So I don't, I, I like when you look back at that, how much of that would you shift to just credit for the Eagles defense versus mistakes that Kansas City made?
2: Probably a combination of both. So yeah, he he baited him. Actually, he on, on a drop. Yeah, he de- absolutely baited Mahomes. He read his eyes. That's a great job by a veteran. You know, people are on Bayard always he washed up after two games. He had to learn had to learn the defense in season. How how do you expect it to happen right away? I, I
0: was I was on that that train.
2: <laughs> but, but I get the re- overreaction. I guess we could call it. I mean, I, we all overreacted. some of the stuff I overreact to. I'm embarrassed about. <laughs> uh, but that that's another story for other teams where I felt coaches should have been removed. And I was like, nah, you know, you need to you need to let these guys learn a little bit before you yeah. you, you say these guys can't. All right. I've, t-
1: I've told everybody multiple times that I that if the the Sixers if the Sixers didn't beat the Hawks and if the affiliates didn't beat the Diamondbacks, I would go, I would quit my job and go work at the Aramingo Avenue Wawa. I found two <laughs> I found two two ways to weasel out of that so far.
2: So I think we just yeah. Pretend we never said those things. You know? No, but what, what I was going to say is this. When, when you look at the Eagle situation, I, I don't want to say they've overachieved because I thought they can get back there. But they've overcome so much this season so far. And at, at this point, you know, you're talking about taking and I like to do that. I look at um, when, I, when I when I put together when Jeff and I put together our shows. I want to make sure I know what people are talking about because we want to touch on it if we think it's topical. And, you know, I do a search on social media, put in Eagles on, on, on a X, or I'll, I'll just do a search within the last hour. What are the topics of the Eagles that are not obvious, like injuries and so forth? And it is true on talk radio. You guys know this because you, you live here. It could be they, they could win 20 to 3 and someone's going to call and say they're not good enough or they're not because yeah. they everybody wants them to be perfect, which you're allowed to say you want them to be great. Yeah. But yeah. they're not. They have a flawed roster. That's the amazing thing. If we really went through this, guys, the roster is not nearly as good as last season, but coaching is really good.
1: But that's the player mindset. And you have Avant
2: with you guys, and you yeah, have yeah. is is
1: it Quentin Michael who's who's with yeah, you? Yeah, QA. In
2: fact, they dropped today, QA. Yeah. yeah, Quentin and Jason do a QA show. Yeah. So do they today? I mean look,
1: I mean the player's always gonna have this mindset of like it it's gotta improve, it's gotta be better, it's gotta be better. they they don't they don't think the way that we think, right? when when they're talking about it on your show, I mean, do did, did, did they share that thought? Like, hey, this is what we have to improve. This isn't good enough. You know, if we want to yes. get to the Super Bowl, we have to, they're, they're the same yeah. with that? Yeah. yeah,
2: in fact, what they'll do, they do a great job. And Q knows offense. Like, he he they they correctly pointed out last year before the Super Bowl how Kelsey freelances. And that yeah. uh, and, and the Travis Kelsey is hard to cover, and they did a great job against him yeah. on Monday night. But yeah, but for those of us who cover the, not only the team, but the league full-time, you know, you have access to people. So you could find out kind of what, looks right and what looks wrong off the coaching tape. And yeah, look, it. we have to be realistic. If you look at the defense, this is hard to be, believe in today's NFL, particularly with the Eagles who are analytically driven. But the Eagles are the only team, if you count Bradley Roby, to have four starters in their secondary 30 years or older, which is, again, if you've covered this team, knowing how Joe Banner and, and Jeffrey Lurie try to build their team, and J- Joe and I have talked about this, but there was a reason for it. Their data would show when guys guys around 29 or 30, they start to lose a, a bit and you want to move on from them. And Howie Roseman, their general manager, is going for it. So he's kept an older team together. That's the thing here that we have to understand. It's flawed. You have older players. You have two discarded linebackers starting at inside linebacker. They're doing a good job. Yeah. Uh The Panthers, as I noted on our show, the Panthers uh, really didn't. Matt was Matt Rule's call two years ago. Now, he didn't really want Hassan Reddick back for what he was looking for. They walked away from that. Yeah. So I mean, there, there are issues with this roster. It wasn't like this last year, but that that's a true testament. I want to give Sirianni credit and his coaches because when you lose a lot of coaches, guys, you worry about this. This is what doomed Danny Reed. Let's not forget huge, about that
1: well. huge storyline. The new coordinators. Yeah, and just to put a, just to put a bow on that topic, real quick. You know, I have a ton of respect for the player mindset. I mean, they they can't think any other way. I mean, you can never be complacent when you're a player. Like, obviously, you're always going to think that you have to improve this, you have to get better at this, or whatever. <laughs> Personally, like, like in or in actuality, I think it's bullshit because if you look at, like look at the Eagles in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl, right? We said the same thing. There's a lot of the same complaints about Jim Schwartz, like, oh, they're playing too far off. You know, they got to get tighter, walk these guys they up the, the line. So they go to the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl giving up 500 yards of offense and like 30, you know, 33 points, right? So so I've always, I always, I it always makes me laugh because like, again, I just don't think that that, I don't think that that perfect game exists or like playing your best football. Playing your best football is never going to amount to 70 to nothing and zero turnovers and like everything is is going off perfectly. You know, I mean, that's adversity is part of the game and having to overcome these challenges is part of the game. I think it's just, I think there's some naivete and looking at like, you know the the sports radio mindset of like well if they don't fix this then, then they're not gonna beat this team if they don't fix this they're not gonna they didn't fix it and they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and nobody <laughs> yeah. nobody nobody cares about it. nobody's complaining about Jim Schwartz six years
2: down the road you know by the way it's so funny you said that I was talking to someone with another team about uh, the, the Eagles run here and we were comparing we were comparing the 17 team he goes he goes think about he this guy he, he sort of knows because he's traveled here whoever he's been with he's listened to talk radio here and he goes just think about if the Eagles would have lost that game, everyone would have been after Schwartz. He's yeah. totally. No one ever said a thing about Schwartz after the game because they won. What if they would have lost? It would have pointed the finger at him. Sure. Yeah, same so with, with Gannon North.
0: last year, and Gannon's, team only, Gannon's oh, yeah. defense only gave up 31 points. The Eagles scored <laughs> 35 points. Now, Sean Desai is awesome. <laughs> like, I, I was a big Gannon guy. I thought Gannon got a lot of, uh, probably too much disrespect here, but holy crap, we saw it right there. Sean Desai is so good. I mean, holding them to zero points in the second half. Like, I don't know if you have any, uh had any read on him or knew anything about him, yeah. you know, before, but like how impressive has he been to you?
2: Very much so. Uh, I, I What I like to do to gather intel on coaches, I t- try to talk to coaches and work with them. And John D. Filippo, who, uh, former Eagles quarterbacks coach John has known Sean for 20 years. They were GAs together, I think at Notre Dame. So John does, we, we do a tape review for our Patreon members every week and, John told me about him. He actually coached with him uh, with the Bears two years ago, and uh, we're we're going to talk to uh, to Vic, uh, not to um, Chuck Pagano, uh, who was the D coordinator, and, and Sean worked under him. We're going to talk to Chuck, Coach Pagano, again soon. And these guys spoke very highly of him, and I get it; they know him. Mm-hmm. But I always ask tough questions. Hey, what happened here? How did he handle this? He, you know, we. He, the good thing for Desai is he knows this area cause he was at temple. So that I think that does have some value, but you don't know, there's a saying coaching. You don't know until you get there. And, and Kyle, your, your point's well taken. He's done an excellent job. I know fans are getting on him. Sometimes you also have to coach the limitations of your players. I had my issues with the way Gannon called g- games last year, but go back to 21 when Steven Nelson was here, he just couldn't run well anymore. So they had to back off. You, you, you can't remember. It's about explosive plays at offense Not giving up on defense so sometimes you have to coach to the limitations by the way we just said it these got this secondary is very old bradbury's struggling okay better in this past game but overall he's been struggling that's something that they have to that's a limitation that they're gonna have to coach to as we we get deeper into this
1: yeah it's funny because we had uh b doc on the show i guess a couple weeks ago and uh he you know i asked him about like cover two and all this shell and the philosophy of preventing the big play and he's like I would have liked to play linebacker in 2023. He said he wouldn't want to play safety oh. in 2023. He he, if he had his choice of playing now, because he doesn't just want to be a deep cover guy, you know. Sure. Um, let's talk about the other coordinator, Brian. It's funny. I'm paraphrasing here, but I was listening to I think the last video that you and Jeff put out, and I want to say you you said that the Eagles are might be like the worst bubble team, bubble screen Horrible. team in, in <laughs> really bad, really bad. And they came out on the one drive they threw like two perimeter screens and then they ran like a QB draw or something. I'm sitting here thinking to myself like what the hell is, is going on there. But um you know and then they come back and it's like they are committed to it. And then they they hit on like a middle screen that goes for, for a ton of yardage. So I I don't like I have these moments where I'm sitting there like scratching my head wondering what Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts are doing. And I told Kyle at the beginning of the show, I'm like, but when they do hit, they hit them big. Big, yeah. So, so I mean, do you share that observation?
2: Yeah, I, I would say, look, they hit two big ones. to Swift. I love the one where they stack Swift on the side, and they jet straight. They jet. They ran jet motion. And he took it, yeah. and they got him going forward. That's what you want to do with a, with a guy, yeah. the pass target, or in this case, on this type of run, because it was beautiful, And as you said, Kevin. Man, that the the part the mid. Getting him to accelerate as he did and get past the defense is pretty good. And I, 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 I'm i not saying I'm shocked by how Swift is done, but I'm, the, the Lions wanted no part of him. They had given up because uh, it was injury history. Yeah. He's averaging about 17 touches a game. He's held up, knock on wood. It's going well. I, I We'd said this on our show, to the, our pregame show leading up. They're going to have some new wrinkles. They're going to bring some things that you haven't seen before. And they did that. I just wish they'd stop running those college bubble screens. It just... They, they just so they just
1: here's here's the thing though let me just just riff on this for a minute because i watched yeah. a ton of college football back in the day like when i was coming when i was in college like that was the spread was kind of new and it was all the yep. rage rich rodriguez and like i don't know how many times i watched chip kelly's team like dennis dixon just throwing up whatever you know the reason they did it is because they, they had superior talent on the edges and it's like we know if we get these guys in space we like what we have here With mean, is this nfl though like everybody's good you're going to tell me that, like, throwing to Devontae Smith on the perimeter, throwing to A.J. Brown on the perimeter is any more effective than just throwing down the field to him? I mean, the Eagles are not a huge, like, yards after the catch team anyway. I mean, they don't have guys who are going to – you know, A.J. Brown will will plow forward for a couple more yards. Devontae Smith might. But these aren't guys who are going to, like, make a move behind the line of scrimmage and then just just take off. Like, it just just doesn't seem to fit – I don't know, like, what's, what's best for them,
2: you know? yeah goddard is great on the tunnel screen it's too yeah. bad he got hurt like that he's a good screen runner uh running after the catch as you were talking but you're right yeah overall that's really not been their game but yeah you know, to, just to to look at this team in an overview though for them to be nine and one with it now of course they're in the second half of this gauntlet here so we'll see how it goes but it's uh they've over the special team stuff you know it's always an adventure but that's gotten better we haven't talked about michael clay and People are on Brian Johnson saying he needs a consultant. <laughs> I, I see our, our our YouTube message. I kind of laugh. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll probably because we always make it a point to at least talk about these subjects, mm-hmm. you know, on our show. And uh, Brian Johnson's fine. He's doing a fine job. I mean, it's it's he's called plays before in college. This is sort of new to him. And again, they're nine and one, uh, but their lack of it, it, the the other thing is their lack of explosive plays overall. I'm I'm slightly surprised it's not close to last season.
1: You know, what is very, very hard as a media member. When you run this type of offense, first of all, they have a lot of plays where it's like there's a, a read involved in it. Okay, so you're talking about run pass ratio, for example, how many of these were RPOs? How many were, were good pools? How many were bad pools? How many of these could have been a run or a whatever, right? First of all, it's hard to parse it that way. Also, you don't know some plays that look like RPO, they may have just been built in play action, right? So that's one thing that's hard for us to categorize that only they really know about. The other thing that's hard to categorize is like Nick Sirianni comes out after the game and he says, Jalen Hurts checked to Devontae Smith on that bomb at the end there. You know, and then you got people saying like, OK, did he check to it because it was a terrible play call from Brian Johnson? I'm like, no, he walked up to the line. He saw something there and he went like Mike straight, Edwards. But there's just so many things, Adam, you know what I'm saying? Like it's hard for us to talk about them with authority in the media because there's just so much that's happening. Like, like in, internally or at the line or that's only communicated between the two of them. I'm tr- I've been trying to make this point for like a year
2: and I don't really know yeah. how to uh, like elaborate on it. You know what I would just add to that, Kevin, is this. Like for instance, we do our post-game show, myself and uh Jeff and uh Clay Harbor. And we he, Clay and I agreed that I, I know the I know the coach at Chairman, so I know that what they were doing. Uh the they were creeping up McDuffie. It's called a, a corner cat blitz. Mm-hmm. They did it twice. They they got the Eagles twice. One of them hurts clearly did not see it. And Clay added goes the other one, it was actually on the, the offense. It might have been a lane Johnson, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But you have to come up with something on your point. We have to have some information that's unique. I'm looking for an angle, what where I where I know enough about the game, and I could text someone who saw who's who would know more than I. Hey, what did you see here? Do you do you have any idea ballpark? I know it's yeah. not coach, James TV. Yeah. Um, but I, I try not to uh, because on your point, I'm not going to go after a player, or a coach if I don't know. I mean, it's just it's foolish. I know I get emotion gets to do it after the game. Yeah. You yeah. got to be careful.
1: You could say these generic things, too, like, real quick, Kyle, my last point on this. Yeah. You could you could say, you know, if Deion, if DeAndre Swift comes out of a game, say, for the, for the sake of the discussion here, with two carries, you could say, well, he didn't touch the ball enough. Maybe they called 100 straight zone reads, but every single read was the correct read, and it led to Jalen running the ball instead of him giving it to DeAndre So, So did the coaches not call his number enough? Well, not necessarily, because there were 98 other times where he could have touched the ball. You know what I'm saying? But it's hard to, sure. like... I, I don't know it's hard to take that information and parse it and package it and like like i don't know
0: explain need, it need more done. microphones on the field i want to hear every check <laughs> I, want hear every yeah. Yeah. I, want I want to hear every audible i want inside the market
2: i love that stuff when they have the, the coaches because i know the coaches don't like it when they're able to be heard about what's going on but yeah. one thing i would add now now one time i think it was very fair the criticism mike actually kind of railed against the coaches for not playing swift in game one i mean i i kind of went off i'm like what are you doing oh, yeah yeah yeah. and so, i won't say that someone on our panel did not agree oh well if they thought he could he should be used he'd be used i go, no that's not true i'm like that's nonsense yeah swift should be in there he's dynamic he's special i get they have to be careful about how many times they get him the football because his injury history is pretty significant he's not the biggest guy in the world and despite what his weight is he doesn't play to that weight but he's explosive and you saw week one hurt, you know, hurts before he hurt his knee did not look explosive running it
0: mm-hmm.
2: get your playmakers the football and they correct that mistake why uh, second game there was an opportunity to do it, and they did it and swift since then has been terrific.
0: You're pretty plugged in with injuries. I, I just wanted to ask sure. you, you know, what's the situation with Dallas Or The Eagles aren't putting him on IR. Is there anything, you know, we know when we should expect him back? Yeah,
2: I, I put this out on Monday for Pro Football Network in my column that I was told very strongly by someone who would know that he definitely would be back before the end of the season, which is okay. That's not a lot of information. But the, you're right, Kyle, that and, – and Sirianni, who I know he hates to give timelines – Kind of Riley said, "Yeah, when I might have been Zach Berman or someone asking that at the at the end of the press conference on Saturday, is that oh yeah, there is a reason why we didn't put him on IR because if they were, if they knew he was going to miss at least four weeks or four games in this matter, they would have put him on IR to have week eleven count. He had to go on IR by money at four p.m. Eastern for week eleven to count. They didn't do that, so they clearly think he could be back within the next couple weeks. It's it's not so Look, they they have their information. The doctors will give him a ballpark idea of when the player could return." More often than not, the Eagles have been right. I know they missed on Jeffrey a couple of years ago. Darren Sproles, because I remember on our show, they, we we noted how they missed it. They they took a gamble and it didn't work out. But more often than not, because they have the information, they're going to be right. It's a gamble, but that it is amazing on a on a broken forearm that the guy could potentially return in four weeks. You wouldn't think so, but yeah, sounds correct. Modern medicine. I got one more for you.
0: I was watching yesterday. I was watching ESPN. Uh, cause you know, watching ESPN after, after your team wins a big game is, sure. is, it's just awesome. You know, listen to everybody, everything. It feels like ESPN didn't know how to talk about this Eagles team. Maybe cause they're not sexy enough. It felt like the, the conversation was more about the chiefs. Can you fix the chiefs here? Can you fix there? Can you fix there? You've been inside the production meetings. You yep. were on ESPN. What's it like, you know, inside of that? Give us a little inside ESPN when you're like, hey, you know, Adam, you're gonna do this or something's gonna happen like this.
2: So I mean, as a reporter, it was, I was not a you know, I I I was <laughs> I was offered the opportunity I turn it down to do a first take in uh I oh, really? yeah. I I cause I'm not a like if the three of us are sitting down, we could have an awesome conversation for two hours. Like I remember meeting Charles Barkley, we did John Clark's show Sports Final 2011. I'd I would i i met Charles before I, I still don't know him. We 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 talked sports in Manhattan for four hours after we did that show. It was like one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> I love be. Deba- I love talking and going back and forth and having opinions, and sometimes it can get heated. That's that's okay. Yeah. But because I thought that was a Carnival Barker show where it's it's contrived, though the producers told me absolutely chip um skip bayless believes in everything he says now i know he's oh, really <laughs> i to. i'm like there's no way he thinks was <laughs> a good quarterback yeah but that the producer said yeah, I'm, he's i've worked with this guy forever absolutely he believes what he says i'm like i would okay. love to
0: live in that world of just self-delusion and confidence it would be I insane don't understand <laughs> it.
2: yeah but to answer your question no i was there after the remember espn they went to uh jets training camp because tebow was such a big story Oh god, I remember yeah.
1: I was at channel three during all that. Okay. Our, our our news director, Adam, who didn't know anything about sports, yeah, she was like, What's our Tebow coverage plan for oh, that? No. I'm like, no. what do you what the hell do you mean? Tebow well coverage? he will
2: become an eagle someday, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, to answer to finish this off, no, there was never I, I'm proud to say and I've I've seen what's been written but said about ESP and I had my opinions before, during, and after. But no, there was none of this. You have to talk about this. No. Now, I knew as a whether I was going to break the story or had to talk about it. Like when uh, Gate happened, I had to go on NFL Live, and I had a great, really good note from someone in the league and telling me that there's going to be a big penalty, and so on and so forth. But there was never any directive. You have to talk about this. No. On your point, though, a day after, in television, you want the juicy stuff, of course. Yeah, you, the point is well taken. Eagles are a great team, but they don't have a lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. People want to know what the hell's wrong with the Chiefs. That's a bigger story.
1: Yeah. I have actually one final one, if you don't mind. Sure. Because um, it goes hand in hand with that. Uh, you have a bunch of different gigs you're doing, but inside the birds, you've got Jeff, you've got the couple of former players in there. I mean, that's your, that's your guy's thing, you know, like that's like independent, right? I mean, and like you look at media these days I and mean, the lines are so blurry now between like what's you know, traditional, you know, big J corporate stuff versus, you know, like a guy like Pat McAfee doing his own thing or like crossing broad or something like that. I mean, do you, do you what do you think about stepping into that world and, and being like kind of doing your own independent thing and having your final say on all that? Do you, do you like doing all that?
2: I do. So very quick story. So in 2018, I, my contract had not been done. I had a year and a, a year and a half left of my contract with ESPN. So I, there was only certain things I could do. So I'm like, what can I do that doesn't violate my contract on, with ESPN, so I get paid. So I came up with an idea. Yeah, you know, I want to get into podcasting. I had an opp- oh, I didn't have a great opportunity, but I, I, I'm a big concept guy. So I came up with an idea back at ESPN with Jonathan Coachman, who's um, I don't know. Jonathan still good. doing wrestling. I don't know what. I haven't talked to Jonathan in years, but yeah. we it was in the infancy of podcasting, like 2014 and 2015, and they weren't ready to do it then. So we just bagged it. It was going to be an NFL podcast because we did Sports Center together. So to move this forward, after I left, I'm like, I, I want to do an insider podcast on the Eagles because I, I think the fan wants to learn. You Kevin, you just talked about it. You I made mean, such an awesome point about the, t- the you want to help people learn. And I know Jeff Mosher spoke my language. I, I, I knew he was available, but I didn't know he would do the show with me. I said, I got this concept. I want to go inside what's going on behind the scenes, injuries, controversy. Medical we did everything the first couple of years, you know, because there was a lot going on Mm -hmm. and the roster, who's good and who's bad. I wanted the fan. Yes, they're going to yell and that's your business, but I want them to at least be smart about it. At least know why they did this because I didn't think anyone was getting the answer. I grew up here. So I knew the reason why I became a reporter is because I just was not getting enough information. So yeah, to answer your question, I knew there was a market for it. And I I felt that in our our media world and new media, you have to be able to pivot that that was the advice. I always seek out advice from people mm-hmm. and the best advice I got from people who've been laid off or were, we're kind of at a career crossroads. What can you do that's different, but within what you're doing and to, to move this along here was podcasting. And we came up with this concept, which we're now in uh season six, I think And yeah. we, uh, yeah. we've come a long way. We, we weren't sure what the hell we were doing the first couple of years, but we learned from our <laughs> mistakes and here we are. Yeah. And that's the best
0: part about it. You know, we're doing the same thing here. We're just learning, you know, we're in, uh, this used to just be a podcast. Now we're live on YouTube. You know like you know how it is. Uh, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Go uh, check out Adam, Inside the Birds with Jeff Mosher, uh, Pro Football Network, 365, Sirius, Fox Sports. You've been on longer than Stern on Sirius, huh?
2: Oh, yeah. He was, what, their 06, was it? Their 06? Yeah. Hey. Yeah.
0: yeah. 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 I, like He's,
2: uh, I haven't I like been that. to their studio since 2010 because, you know, we, <laughs> I have a – this is – I have a – TV. This is my TV studio. I have a radio studio over there. We don't have to. It's the thing about media, guys. You, you don't have to be in a studio anymore. You can make your own. It's great. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm in my second, second bedroom.
1: <laughs> and I've, been down, I've used my credentials to go to the sports complex maybe like once in three years, but don't, don't tell anybody that. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe someday, maybe. Someday.
1: someday. When my kids get, I got a two-year-old and a four-year-old when they get a little, uh, you know, maybe we'll give it like another half a year and then I'll start making my way back down to the Wells Fargo Center, you know, so. That's do some 76. Six, so. 76 do some big, big J again.
0: Yeah. 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 Hey, Adam, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so you much for coming go. on.
2: You got, you got it. it. Thank you. Thanks, That's Adam. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Cool. Cool. cool.
0: Um, anything else? No, nah, man. Well, I got one more thing. Thanksgiving tomorrow. Thanksgiving is. T- I've been yeah. watching a lot of fried turkey TikToks. Have you ever fried a turkey? Fried
1: turkey TikToks?
0: Fried turkey, tick People have trying
1: tick-tocks. to cook a turkey, people trying to fry a turkey. Oh,
0: fried turkey no, and then it up and then it all goes on fire and someone gets caught on fire. No, my, mother,
1: my mother-in-law does all the cooking. We just, okay. the, the deal that we've reached now is we'll clean the house and we'll host if you do all the cooking.
0: So Yeah, fried turkey does look really good. I just don't think I could ever, I'm not a cook. I mean, I would, I would burn rice or burn water, whatever it is. Um, you know, yeah. pasta is about as far as I go. Um, <laughs> but fried turkey, I'd be, the, I'd be the guy on the patio who would burn the house down.
2: They are hilarious
0: videos, by the way. I don't know if anyone's
2: watching. I wouldn't even know where it
1: is. I can't cook a turkey. I can't carve a a turkey. I can't. Our parents got to teach it. got to hand down the... The knowledge to us, you know. I saw somebody on Twitter. I think it was Terry Franconia was arguing in favor of uh, ground turkey instead of like actual turkey. So
0: I'm not a turkey guy, so I all could right. I could get down yeah. with anything. Uh, Thanksgiving dinner is just family. It's
1: it's okay. Thanksgiving dinner is all right. Uh, My uh if Thanksgiving. Let me ask you. Here's a rhetorical question. If Thanksgiving dinner was so good, then why do we only make it once a year?
0: Well, I don't think we do. I think I have stuffing other times a year. I think I have mashed potatoes other times a year. I just I'm not a turkey guy. Yeah. We uh, my fiance, my fiance, uh, her family is bring your favorite dish to uh Thanksgiving, oh, yeah. um, which I fucking love. Oh, it's yeah. white trash is shit. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> we'll end up with pancakes. When your white trash. man, do I love it? Someone will bring Italian. The one guy cooks filet mignon, pancakes. I think there was Cheerios there last year. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was missing before. I mean Thanksgiving. Um, I think you should do what you want for your own holidays. So yeah, um, put a little bit. Bring just uh, tell everybody who's coming over to bring what they want. They um
1: yeah I I again I I don't but I don't think that's a hot take. Ian's saying that's a hot take. I don't know, I think there's a lot of people who don't. I like Thanksgiving. I don't think Thanksgiving dinner is the most amazing thing in the
0: world. That's all. I, um, I still think I think I still think Thanksgiving goes toe to toe with any dinner. I just I love the spreads. Love the cranberry, love the stuffing, love the mashed potatoes. Tonight, go ahead.
1: Tonight, Wednesday, um, we're going down to uh, Hands Delco. We're going to be giving away the Miller Lite Kelly Green cans. So if you guys are hanging in Delco tonight, come down. Hanrahan's seven to nine. We'll all be there. So I think yep, Aunt C- I think Ann San Francisco is going to come too.
0: And San Francisco will be there too. So if you're around, we'd love to see you. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be filming. Yeah, and uh, Kevin and I will be. Remember uh, let's guest bartend a little bit. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, we thank you all for everybody who tunes in every single day. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving and we will talk to you on Monday.